yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the final part, part 10 of our Connecting the Dots series here at Facts versus Rhetoric. I'd like to thank everyone very much for joining us today and sticking with us through all 10 parts of this special series. And to do a brief recap, I'm trying to communicate my fear that we are on the path to more human suffering at the hands of the few that are in charge. And my action steps that will prevent any of this from being possible is to think for yourself. That means do what is in your best interest first. Think critically. Don't blindly accept anything without looking at both sides of the issue. Always be on the lookout for the what you don't know about a subject. The other side is just as confident they're right as you are. So you need to explore the opposition with an open mind. The goal is to be right and not opinionated. And if things are indeed as dire as you think they are, then shouldn't being right be just as dire and just a worthy goal? We're advocating for you to be skeptical, to ask questions, to assume that you're being lied to, and to understand that you cannot blindly trust anyone who's trying to get something from you, whether it's your money, your time, your support, your power. We're advocating for you not to obey in advance. Don't worry about what the future may hold and give in today because you think it'll make your tomorrow easier. Lastly, never go along with a bad idea based on a falsehood. When you go along with an idea that is built upon a lie, only human suffering can result downstream of that. The deception is intentional. They have to lie to you in order to profit from the downstream effects. And to me, there seems to be a relationship between the amount of pressure used to coerce people into compliance and the size of the lie. The more propaganda and censorship needed to promote a bad idea should be a red flag for everyone. And most often it's in the welfare of humanity that we need to force you into compliance. Your rights and freedoms are bypassed because, hey, you know, it's an emergency. You need to remember that choices equal freedom. When the choices are eliminated and replaced with consequences, if you don't comply, that is how you know that it's a bad idea based on a lie. And over the series, I have acknowledged the possibility that I could be wrong and that there is nothing to worry about. And Jesus, I really hope that's the case. However, I do feel strongly enough about my position and proposed solution that I am willing to put myself out there for two main reasons. One, I have not been able to disprove my concerns with any evidence. Every problem has a solution that when you look through the rhetoric just leads to more human suffering for the many and then huge profits for the few. And number two, this is like my security blanket, even if I'm wrong and you think for yourself, think critically, be skeptical and do not comply in advance and never go along with a bad idea based on a lie, you still win. You become a powerful force, you're uncoercible. You're in group three. You don't have to think like me, think like anyone else, just think for yourself. You'll have self-respect, which has ended every tyranny in history. I'm just advocating for people to use their own brain to make up their own mind and to be aware of the fact that their beliefs are influenced, so they may not be your own. We've also been talking about the three groups of people in the world today. Group one, those who blindly follow what authority tells them without question. This is the most dangerous group on the planet. They endanger freedom and liberty by giving the few in power more mindless soldiers to carry out whatever agenda they want. Then there's group two. Those are the people that know the few in power are not telling the truth. They know they lie. They know they're corrupt. They know these solutions don't make any sense. 
but they comply and go along with it because they're afraid of consequences of not complying. And unfortunately, the numbers in group one and two give the few in power a sizable force at their disposal. And it's because of those two groups that the few can control the many. And then there's group three, the renegade minds, as David Icke refers to them as, those that cannot be controlled, those who think for themselves, they think critically, they're skeptical, they do not comply in advance, and they never go along with a bad idea based on a falsehood. Their beliefs have a backbone. They're not worried about consequences of not complying because they believe very strongly in their beliefs and they're secure in what they know and they're willing to fight for it. Group three has ended every tyranny in history. I mean, think back to the Revolutionary War. England had tyrannical control over the colonies. And this is only possible because there was people in group one and two that allowed it to progress that far. And how, the, how could a few from across the pond control the many in a faraway land? And then finally, a tipping point occurred when the people in group two finally saw what the patriots in group three were talking about. It became so obvious to enough people in group two that they started to migrate over to group three. They were no longer worried about the consequences because their lives had become so bad. They had to suffer so much that they would rather die fighting for their freedom than to continue to live under the tyrannical rule. So when enough people from group two start to get to that point where they would rather die on their feet than live on their knees, shit gets sorted out quickly. The few can never control the many without major numbers in group one and two. And my other proposed no lose action step is to try to get as many people from group two into group three. And I get if you're having a hard time thinking that this could be possible. I mean, you're not alone. They spend billions and billions of dollars on a daily basis to keep us distracted, confused, and feeling hopeless and helpless. We've tried over these past episodes in this past year to point out the obvious hypocrisies and the lies, which serve as a reminder that the few's actions do not match their words. Take this experimental vaccine for your health and safety. Oh, no thanks. I've already had COVID and I'm, I'm not at risk. I'm really healthy. Well, then take it for someone else's health and safety. We need to protect and care for everyone in this country. It's so important. Well, group one and two, they go on and comply. And they take this experimental thing. And group three is like, wait a minute. If you're so concerned about our health and safety, can we get, I don't know, health care during this global pandemic that you started by fucking around with coronaviruses? No, I'm sorry. There's no money for that. I mean, we have the money. It's just not for you. I mean, haven't you noticed there's a war that, you know, we started over in Ukraine. We need to send them $120 billion because their humans are suffering. They're in need of food, medical care, infrastructure, all these things our taxpayers need and pay for. That shit gets sent to Ukraine. So, hey, group two, how do you explain that? Well, what about us in group one? Don't you care what we think? Nope. Why not? Because you believe whatever authority tells you. No, we don't. Do you have a Ukrainian flag hanging outside your house? Yeah. Did you step over a homeless person on the way to work today? Yeah. We can't help you, group one. Until you turn off the TV and take a look in the mirror, look deep into your own eyes and ask yourself if your life has gotten better or worse since blindly following authority, we can't help you. So group two, I'll repeat the question. How do you explain that at every turn the resources are made available for everyone except the people in this country who pay for it and need it the most. And since I do this podcast by myself and can't get an answer, and since 
No one has provided me any feedback feedback on my hypothesis. I'm left to speculate on the possible opposition from group two. So my best guess is that most people in group two will dismiss my concerns and subsequent action steps because, you know, in their mind, there's just no way this can be true. There's too many moving pieces. It's too big. There's no way it can be true. And I get that. But I ask you to consider the following. We all acknowledge there are criminals in the world, right? They rob your home. They steal your belongings. Shit, if you're home, they might hurt you or even kill you if they think they can get away with it. They have no problem breaking the law. We all have experienced criminals on one level or another. Criminals, as far as we know, are those who choose personal gain over the rights of others and have no regard for the law. And here is where I need people in group two to take that next step and acknowledge this possibility. Criminals are not confined to the streets. Criminals can also succeed in business and in politics, and some can even ascend to positions of power as leaders. So you need to ask yourself, what if a criminal became a governor or a congressman, a senator or a president? Or if it's easier, imagine if a criminal supports and gets politicians elected. Then as Joe Biden told us, hey, it cost a great deal of money to run for office and the people with the money want something in return. Just imagine if a criminal got to such a place of power or financed someone into a place of power. Then they could use their full weight of their power and influence to commit much larger crimes and ensure their friends were enriched to the fullest extent all along the way. A criminal leader or corrupt politician could create alliances with other criminal leaders or corrupt politicians. And then they could collaborate on more global crime activity because, hey, anything goes when you're in power. Drugs, human trafficking, whatever's making the big money. You always have to remember that if a criminal's in charge or at least pulling the strings of an elected official, then really anything is on the table no matter how far-fetched you try to convince yourself this may be. And when I look back at the last 30-plus years, it's just filled with wars, economic disasters, famines, fraught with human suffering and, and human displacement. Yet for some reason, we've always accepted these things as, I don't know, what, human nature? Yeah, it's just it's the way of the world. You know, as a result of this evil dictator or the lack of democracy or the lack of women's rights, we have to do all this bad shit. All this badness was just inevitable. Due to the weakness of human nature, it just drives us to these actions. Bad people do bad shit, then we gotta swoop in and start wars and blow shit up because it's our responsibility to do the right thing. And here is kind of where I've gotten to and the possibility I want you all to entertain is that I think we're wrong looking at it like that because you're not a criminal. I'm not a criminal. So we can't just assume that criminal behavior is human behavior or it's just, you know, human nature driving all this pain and misery. I'll also ask you to consider what if it wasn't human nature at all? What if it was a result of something more deliberate? Now we're constantly taught capitalism is responsible for the massive divide between the rich and the poor and the reason for the poverty and in turn the, the war, the crime, the starvation, the inflation, all that shit. That's just a side effect of goddamn capitalism. But it's not because of capitalism. Because you know by listening to this podcast and maybe just by reading the definition and understanding what capitalism is, capitalism is true freedom. True free market capitalism is where both parties mutually benefit from an exchange. We don't have that today. 
the few are always in between the many, preventing a fair exchange. Instead of both parties winning, we have winners and losers. That's not capitalism. So you can't blame capitalism for all these problems because we're not actually engaging in it. And it's not our human nature to fight wars or to be racist or to rob others and hurt other people. And what I hope we all can consider is that it may be the criminals all along. We covered the fact that BlackRock and Vanguard own almost every major corporation. Listen to the podcast, Evil Behind the Curtain. I'll link it in the description. So when Group 2 says, hey, there's no way the few are conspiring against the many, I mean, I get it. But when I see that all of the companies gaslighting us and profiting from us are owned by the same handful of conglomerates, and one of those companies, BlackRock, is the only company authorized to work with the government in the Federal Reserve and the central banks, BlackRock is known as the fourth branch of government. I mean, Jesus, really? I mean, they own insurance giants Mafrain Prudential, major banks JP Morgan Chase, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, ING, Wells Fargo, Barclays. They own electrical giants Philips, Sony, Dell, Intel, Apple, IBM, Microsoft. Don't forget about Big Pharma, Pfizer, Moderna, BioNTech, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson & Abbott, payment platforms, MasterCard, Visa, American Express, Western Union, PayPal, tobacco companies, Philip Morris, British American Tobacco, RJ Reynolds, oil refineries and Exxon Shell, BP, Chevron, Valero, and the number one solar producer in Canada, Canadian Solar, the largest mining company in the world, Glencore, the largest agriculture company in the world, Bayer, who makes 90% of all the cottonseed on earth, the largest textiles and clothing manufacturers like Lululemon, Levi's, TGX Company, Nike, Ralph Lauren, online market platforms, eBay, Amazon. They own all the companies that do the raw materials and metals that make automobiles, aircrafts, in the arms industry. They own 14 major car companies that control 62 brands of cars. The military industrial complex, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon. They have telecom and AT&T and Vodafone, restaurants like McDonald's, cosmetics, Procter & Gamble. You geez, Nick, they own a lot of shit. How come the media hasn't reported on any of this? Because they own them too. Specifically the six media conglomerates which own 90% of the international media companies. You get Viacom, CBS, which is now Paramount Global. So that's the CBS channels, MTV, Paramount, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon. You got AT&T, which is Warner Brothers, HBO Discovery, CNN, Cartoon Network, TNT, DC Comics. You got Rupert Murdoch's News Corp, which owns the New York Post, Wall Street Journal, HarperCollins Publishing, Sky News, and their sister company, Fox, Fox News, Fox Sports 1, Fox Business. Then you got Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Nat Geo, Hulu, Lucasfilms, ABC, 20th Century, Comcast, which also has NBC, DreamWorks, Universal, Focus Features, Infinity. And lastly, you got Sony, that's Sony Pictures, Sony Music, PlayStation, among them other million friggin' products. So holy shit, that's some portfolio. So when you hear that BlackRock and Vanguard are the largest institutional investors in every major company on earth, you can start to wrap your head around what that entails. So if the criminals have amassed enough wealth while they enrich their criminal friends along the way, they own all the companies that profit from the proposed solutions. Doesn't that provide a more likely explanation than this is just all a bunch of coincidences and government ineptitude, which always leads to more human suffering? I mean, Jesus, it's mathematically impossible to have all the ineptitude cause the many to lose every single time. I mean, we know politicians will sell their souls for a career in politics. 
selling their influence in exchange for money is is why these public servants are freaking hundred millionaires. So if the criminals have the money, they have the politicians. They have the mainstream media. They have the social media, the radio. They control the narrative. They control your perception, which subconsciously influences your beliefs and then your behavior. There's no one to stop them. There's no one to regulate them. Every regulatory agency has been captured by the industry it is there to regulate. So they're just able to recruit more and more criminals to help them. And they were accumulating more and more wealth. Look at the last three decades. Look at the people's wealth. It all went down. And look at the wealth of the few. The few in power that keep telling us we have all these problems. Their wealth went through the roof. And when a criminal is already rich, as rich as they could possibly be, then what is their motivation? Assuming more power and control would be one. And more importantly, protecting their ill-gotten gains becomes a huge priority. The only threat to them would be angry citizens who are sick of suffering. The few need to keep the many working, need to keep them productive, keep the game going. They sit back, gaslight us into giving them our hard-earned money to buy a battery-powered car or a fucking solar panel while we simultaneously become more dependent on them. They keep us impoverished, they keep us in debt, they keep us fighting each other. They keep us fighting for our daily survival with inflation that robs us of our purchasing power while selling us products and a lifestyle we don't need and can't afford. The real threat to their wealth and power is if the people finally get sick of suffering and realize that they have the actual power. Do you think it's a coincidence that the Biden administration swooped in and forced the railroad unions to accept the deal to avoid the railroad strike? That's weird, right? The, the workers' party cut the workers off at the fucking knees and made them accept the fucking deal? Why? If the railroad workers striked, it would have exposed two important things that the few need to keep from becoming obvious. One, they would have lost billions of dollars per day if the railroad shut down, which would have forced them into giving in to the demands of the workers very quickly. All they wanted was some paid sick time, like 14 days a year. Two, and this is the important one, it would have signaled to all of the workers in the world who has the real power. If workers simply just stick together and stop working, they quickly see how much power they have and how much they're needed. Like, I own a business. If my employees don't show up for work, what do I have? I have a bunch of liabilities parked in the parking lot with no way to generate any revenue to pay for them. If we the many have a problem, they have a problem. So the criminal few need to prevent this so they divert all their attention to us, the people of the world. You and me, we're not happy having to work two to three jobs just to get by. They know we're not going to accept that shit if we're all aware of what's going on. So they use the media and all their influences to divide us. Black versus white, women versus men, young versus old, Muslim versus Christian, the labels we warned about last episode. The list keeps getting longer, more and more subdivisions are added, more and more distractions. They've convinced us we are the problem, so we end up fighting and destroying each other and pay no attention to what's actually going on. And to get this done faster, they've attacked all aspects of humanity that make us strong and independent. Why do you think the nuclear family dynamic is under such attack right now? They're using their influence over popular culture to destroy the family dynamic. They popularize lifestyle choices that lead to a surge in broken homes and substance abuse. We have gender confusion with the kids. 
It's just an effort to blow up the nuclear family concept early and get them to identify with limitations right off the bat. You are more likely to be in group three if you come from a family with a mother and a father. Having both parents to raise their kids, spend time with their kids, teach their kids how to navigate their lives using a toolkit that keeps them informed, independent, and impervious to complying in advance and not going along with a bad idea based on a lie. The few can't afford to have the next generation of kids being raised as critical thinkers who will not sacrifice themselves for the greater good. They need a generation of victims already resigned to the fact that they will never succeed because another group is preventing their group from achieving equal pay, equal rights, blah, 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 blah. Because the many are good people. We just want to get married. We want to have kids. We want to earn a living. We want to enjoy our liberty and just be fucking left alone. But we find ourselves in a time where we're being forced and coerced into being tolerant above our morality. We have to be tolerant of all these novel concepts that destroy the family concept. So you need to ask yourself, why do we go to war? To help people and spread democracy? I mean, we don't even help the people in our own country. How can we have a proper democracy in our own country with all this censorship? Why can't people get out of debt? The way to help people is to stop stealing their money and their purchasing power. Not more government spending to fix a government spending problem. Why is there so much poverty? Why are we exporting our tax dollars to help people in foreign countries before taking care of our homeless veterans and our homeless children? Why is there so much division? The more shit you add to that stupid flag, the further we go in the wrong direction. Name one right that I have that a LGBTQ plus I fucking sex worker, because they just added that one, doesn't have. The only right I can come up with is not wearing a shirt in public. Why is there so much crime? Defund the police. How the hell are kids going to get an opportunity to improve their lives if there are no businesses in the community? And why are we okay with all of that? We can fix all of these problems if we really wanted to. If we the people stopped fighting and blaming each other for two fucking seconds and realized all of our problems are a result of the criminal few in charge who are sitting there gaslighting us to hate our neighbor while profiting from all of their solutions to their made-up problems. If enough people realize this is when we will actually get the hope and change we all want that will actually increase our human flourishment and end our suffering. All I'm asking you to do is apply the toolkit I'm advocating for. Think for yourself, think critically, be skeptical, don't obey in advance, and never go along with the bad idea based on a falsehood. Just simply apply that toolkit to every headline you see today. And why I'm here talking about this is because when I do that, when I apply those tools to all this shit that we're being told, nothing makes sense. And then I see many coincidences that can't be ignored, that should be investigated and discussed. Like this one, the number one cause of death for people 65 and younger who are vaccinated from 2021 to 2022 is died suddenly. Number one cause of death in that demographic, died suddenly. You get the died suddenly classification if the doctors can't explain how you died. That is the number one cause of death for people 65 and younger who are vaccinated, died suddenly. That's followed by cardiac related death and then cancer. Also making that list, myocarditis. 
Myocarditis is killing more people than COVID if you're 65 and under and you're vaccinated. Just a coincidence? Has nothing to do with the mass rollout of an experimental vaccine that was rushed to market by those who profit from them with no long-term safety data? Oh, they're safe and effective. Go out and get one. Hell, get two. The boosters are available today. I think we should apply our proposed toolkit to all of what you think you know. And then everything you're told going forward from here on out. This is it. This is my last ditch effort to spark some curiosity in others to look into this shit for yourselves. I'm going to take the rest of the year off. And then in 2023, I'm going to try to find some guests to explain to me how wrong I am. So if you or anyone you know think I'm wrong, please reach out to me. My email is in the description. And this is not an adversarial invitation. This is not a gotcha moment. I want to enter into a discussion in good faith to try to find the what don't I know, right? What don't I know about how great these vaccines are that everyone thinks are so fucking great? What don't I know about how, how much Ukraine needs our help and how we didn't cause that conflict? Someone explain to me the what don't I know about the gas of life, carbon dioxide being bad, or how renewables can replace fossil fuel. Someone explain to me how inflation is good and deflation is bad. And then someone explained to me that all the human suffering that's occurring is actually human flourishing. I want to know the what don't I know about those subjects. So I hope everyone has an awesome new year. I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode and to this podcast over the past year. I appreciate you sharing some of your valuable time with me, whether it's to laugh at me, laugh because of me, or it's because I am able to spark some curiosity in you to think for yourself or look at things differently. I appreciate it very much. I hope everyone has an awesome day and a happy new year.